0: Hi, I'm Tyler Yules. Welcome to How the Grades Do It. Welcome back, everyone. Super excited for our conversation today. We have Matt Rafalski from Genesis. He's a global head of, of enterprise sales. So we're super excited to have him. Matt, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Um tell us a little bit about what you're up to at Genesis. Sure. So um I run the, the global sales team, the enterprise global sales team at Genesis. Um and Genesis is a rapid application development platform specifically built for capital markets. Um we are uh we are helping supercharge developers at banks build software at speed. Um, you know, are typically the, the process for building software can be very cumbersome. Um there's yeah. lots of challenges with internal IT of backlogs of you know, a certain business line needs ABC application. They get put in a queue. So sometimes things don't get delivered for two years. The the value prop from for Genesis is that we can deliver that 80% faster. If you build within our ecosystem and this developer toolkit that we can arm you with, you can build those applications in a matter of months and weeks instead of years. Well, they say time kills all deals, but it sounds like you guys are,
0: are bringing speed to the market. And so it seems like in that sense, right, uh, for you guys, um, signing a deal may save them uh, a boatload of money in that sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, our co-founders uh, are are two former CTOs at banks, yeah. um, so they understand the challenges. Um, and they set off, you know, about seven eight years ago to find a better way. Because really, the solutions in the marketplace today are I'm gonna I'm gonna build it, or I'm gonna have to go buy it. And there's challenges yeah. with both those models. And um, like I said before. With build it, you know, you have uh, many, many different business lines asking for lots of different, you know, technology and applications and things. So that that gets put in a queue, and there's a, a high demand for developers. So talent's hard to keep in seat. Um, so there's always more and more demand internally. Um, so there's backlogs with with building it internally. And then um, if you go out in the marketplace, and say, all right, we're going to go find a third party vendor to, to help, you know, build this software for us or find this specific application. There's challenges with you know buying off the shelf. Off the shelf. Um, can be great, but it, it really is uh, sometimes not as customizable as a bank yeah. might want, with the amount of compliance and regulation that's involved. So that's where the the brilliance in what um, you know James and Steven created, our two co-founders, a, a buy to build model. Um, they took those two and merged them together. So you know, buy our ecosystem, build inside our ecosystem, and you can do it eighty percent faster.
0: Yeah, I love that, right? Like, And when there's innovation in the market and uh, and bright minds that kind of help put it all together, I think the stars align. Man, I'd love to hear a little bit about
1: how you got into sales. Sure, sure. Um, So I could say I was probably born into sales. My dad was in sales. (laughs) Uh, It was something that I was always interested in. Um, you know, I, I just really loved, uh, being in front of people. I consider myself very personable. Um, and also, you know, I consider myself an athlete and sales isn't you know, is, is straight up. It's black and white. There's a scoreboard. Um, so, and I, and I like to win. So I've I've always really enjoyed that about sales. It's very, um, satisfying, um, when you, when you put numbers up on the board and score. So, you know, I like to think that I bring that attitude to work every single day. Like, how am I going to win today? Um, and what am I going to do to move the ball forward?
0: Yeah, I love that. Were there any challenges or turning points that really shaped your approach?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I started my career um, in fintech, um, and then I actually jumped ship and went and worked directly on Wall Street. So I feel like I have a good blend of experience um, on the fintech side, but also having experience, you know, sitting in a capital market seat in a trading seat. Um, I traded commercial mortgage-backed securities for about eight years. Uh, as well as like asset-backed securities and CLOs and things like that. So I got a really good perspective of the two different worlds of you know how software how software companies sell and then actually yeah. being sold too because I sat in that seat. So I understand a lot of the pains and challenges that our customers have today because I live those challenges. Um, and it's it it amazes me and then at the same time doesn't the amount of of information uh, like secure information that sits in spreadsheets. At, at a financial institution is mind-boggling, and um, you know the transition to the cloud has been very slow for a lot of financial institutions. Um, you know, a lot of them are still migrating or haven't migrated. A lot of stuff is on-prem, so um, you know you're seeing firms slowly make that change, go to the cloud, uh, and they need to leverage new tools. And that's kind of where Genesis fits in, where as people are moving to the cloud, you know, you want to build more and more applications. Um, you know, maybe whether that's replacing people or whatever, generating new revenue streams. Um, Genesis is there to help with that. So yeah, having the perspective of, hey, I came from sales, you know, fintech sales, lived lived in that that capital markets trading seat and then coming back um really helped to find me. And I think um another important aspect uh that really shapes and defines me as, as a sales leader um was going to get my MBA. Um I got my MBA at yeah. Wake Forest, uh, which was super rewarding for me. Uh it'd been a long time since I graduated uh to go back to school and and, and you know, dive into the books again. But um you know, I really, really enjoyed my time at Wake Forest. Uh, and you go through that program in a cohort, um, which really helps uh, me today and on my current job, because, you know, going through a cohort, um, you know, pursuing your MBA, you're kind of in a mini company and you have to define roles and you have to manage different styles and um, figure out yeah. ways to work with people because everyone's got their, you know, a different way of working. Everyone's got their opinions. It's about you know, how do you come together to achieve that central mission? Um, so a lot of those three things, I think, really shaped me to, the, to be the sales leader I am today. Um, and my concentration, no surprise, uh, at Wake Forest was um, st- uh, strategy and leadership.
0: Now, that that totally makes sense, especially after speaking with you a bit. Like, when did you know you wanted to be a sales leader? <laughs>
1: I knew pretty early on in my career. Um, you know, I ran uh, some of the trading desks, so I had I had experience, you know, managing folks. Um, I've always loved being a coach. Uh, growing yeah. up uh, in high school, for example, um, my community service was actually coaching. Uh, you know, five and six year old boys basketball. Um, always really loved, you know, helping, you know, mold the young minds, um, teaching them basketball, coaching those teams, um, teaching them what it's like to win, but also how to deal with loss. Um, so I think for me, it started at a pretty early age. And, um, for me, uh, the most gratification I can get as a sales leader is when I see someone that, uh, you know, is on my team or I coach and I work with six, you know, succeeding and, and, you know, being really successful and retiring 130% of quota that that's, that yeah. gives me the most amount of, of satisfaction is seeing someone do that. Cause you know, I feel uh, really invested in, in my team and my employees. Um, so yeah, that to me is, 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 uh, the most gratifying.
0: Yeah, I love that right? Like Getting someone to, you know, 150% to goal or even 100% to goal, um, you know, especially new reps as they're, you know, coming into the industry or it doesn't matter, right? Like I think coaching is is a super uh one of it's one of those jobs that it's like a selfless job, but you know when when everyone does it, we all win together and as us as leaders, right? Like our success is based off the, re, of the success of our reps and so I think you're spot on there. I'd love to hear about Maybe the opposite in effect, though, is maybe you had a rep that was declining, that not doing the greatest, and maybe you were able to turn it around. And like, what did you do to help um, employ those strategies?
1: Yeah, I think the the first step is um, you know having a good relationship with that that person and understanding how to deliver feedback uh, in the appropriate way. Um, you yeah. know, a lot of times feedback can come off as, as negative. Um, you know, I need you to fix this, this, this. But so there's a there's a different approach. I think to that, I think it's a little bit of a softer approach. Um, I think turning someone around is probably the best, the best story of all. Uh, it's great to work with really high competent salespeople and see them perform even better, but taking someone that was, you know, maybe lacking in a couple areas, whether that's, you know, in prospecting or messaging or whatever, and seeing that turn around and seeing them achieve success, uh, you know, and in, in actually building something um, is, is one of the most, you know, gratifying things for me to help someone turn things around. But it starts with, you know, having an open and honest relationship, um, you know, really yeah. communicating well with each other. Um, and that starts even farther back with setting expectations um, and making sure that we're aligned on those. Um, that way, you know, I can work with someone to help them, you know, retire more quota uh, as long as we're on the same page. But if, if we're not on the same page, it makes it really difficult. And, um, you know, there's, it's, it's, it starts to with, um, you know, managing the different styles of people, identifying what is their working style um, and, and what are they? Are they dominant? Are they influential? Um, are they conscientious, um, or are they, you know, some form of steadiness? There's kind of like four there. Um, so I think it's really identifying that style and learning to work with that person because really ultimately as a sales leader, you and I, we're just in a support role we're here to support our folks to see them you know achieve as much as they can possibly achieve personally professionally um so yeah it's it's really identifying that that style um you know if, whether they're kind of some people can be more fast-paced and outspoken and some can be more cautious and reflective and kind of figuring out where someone lands on that 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 matrix and and really that's i think that's how you can pull the most out of someone and really uh, align as uh, by really understanding how they work and, ma- and being able to manage that style
0: yeah, I think you brought up a lot of great points. Like <clears throat> one of them being right that the styles, right? Early on in my career, I was I was asked to be a, become a leader, right, and say, "Hey, like we want to we want you to help um, develop these reps." And I said, "Like, well, what do you want me to do?" And they said, "We want you to replicate yourself." And that's easy. I think that's easier said than done because, to your point. If I, if I try to take someone and turn them into a Tyler that doesn't have the same style or personality as Tyler, it's not going to land the same. It's not going to be genuine. And so you think you're spot on understanding what style uh, that your rep has and then coaching them to their style. Because just because I do think uh, one way doesn't mean, and it absolutely means it, uh, it's not going to work the exact same for them, especially if they don't have the same style as, as me or the same personality type. And so that's super important. Um, one thing that I did want to bring up though, is you, you mentioned, right. Building trust and expectations with your reps are super important. like, I'd like to take a, a little bit of a step back there on those and say like, you know, how are you doing that? And what type of expectations are you setting your reps to help, um, lead them to success?
1: Yeah, Like I said, I, you know, before it's, it's really, um, being honest and open with, with You yeah. identified kind of that working style. Um, being really open and honest, but also being encouraging and, and making sure people know like there are certain things you're doing well, and I want you to continue to do those because it's not net, feedback shouldn't always be viewed as negative. Um, feedback is just hey, I want you to be better. So yeah, it's just building that relationship from the very beginning of of being open and honest, um, and I can provide you feedback on a regular basis, basis, good, you know, ne- negative, positive, whatever it may be, um, and just yeah. take that inside. So it's it's really forming that early on relationship, and it starts by you know, being open and honest, but it also means leading by example. Um, you know, uh, in, uh, in our industry, you know, you have to be present, you have to be in front of customers, um, you have to, you know, go the extra mile. So I like to try and do that myself. Um, so if there's, you know, any kind of pursuit of, of a deal, I'm always gonna be the first guy in the trench right next to you, um, you know, I, I wanna make sure that I lead by example. Cause I'm never gonna ask a rep to do something that I wouldn't personally do. That wouldn't be fair. That would be, uh, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be phony. Um, that wouldn't be fair at all. So, uh, you know, I'm never asking people to do things that I wouldn't personally do, but you'll, I'll be the, I'll be the guy that's right next to you in the trenches. Um, you know, making sure that we get that deal closed, push it forward, matured farther, whatever it takes. Um, I'm always going to be right by your side. Cause like I said before, you know, sales leadership, it's, it's a support role.
0: No, that totally makes sense. And, um, and abs- I'm sure it absolutely resonates with your team when when they see you and arm, you know, oh, yeah. our- <laughs> we like to think so, right? Like when we stuck yeah. arm in arms, and it's like, hey, I'm I'm in here in the trenches with you guys and um, team, and right, like reality is we we all win, or we all or we all either learn and get better, because um, I don't think there's any failing when it comes to that team mentality.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree
0: what uh, What advice would you give to people out there that that are maybe considering getting an MBA and, and taking some of that same path or more of that leadership leadership realm because you know the MBAs MBA is maybe needed depending on your industry or maybe not, but like I'd love to hear like what you got what the most you got out of that and like how that helped propel you in your in your leadership career?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh for me, uh, you know it, uh, it, it wasn't necessary, but uh yeah. now looking back. I feel like it—it it was, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, you know, it, it depends on the industry whether you need an MBA or not. But for going back to school after not being in school for you know ten years or whatever it was, um, I find working in a startup, scale up type environment, which is what my company is, we're a Series C company. Um, it allows me to be impactful in other areas outside of sales. Um, you know, be getting the MBA and understanding strategy and leadership helps with that go to market strategy. So. You know, working with the marketing folks, um, working with sales enablement, sales operations. I can put on any hat and feel confident that I can help out and assist and do that job. So I think that that's made me um, unique in my journey where uh, an MBA has really prepared me to work in these, you know, smaller startup scale-up type companies and be really effective that I can put on a different hat and really understand what you're working with and help you kind of, uh, you know, achieve goals in, in a different area of the business. It also helps me from a sales perspective because I understand, you know, what's going on in sales ops and what that function exists and does, uh, marketing and, and and all the other areas. Um, it helps me uh, communicate better with, with the other departments so that we're aligned because there's this whole, you know, thing around internal alignment as the organization moves forward and grows um, it, it's really allowed me to kind of, uh, you know, wear a couple of different hats to be effective as a sales leader. Yeah, I know. I love that. Right. Like, and, and you, you, right. You're hitting the
0: nail on the head here, right? Like your exter- your, ex- these, uh, internal stakeholders that you have at your company and having, um, that bi-directional sync of information is super important. Not being super siloed off, um, also helps. So I, I think you're, you're spot on there. What are some of the tips that you maybe have for people out there that are new, that are new leaders that are that are trying to manage their team, um, trying to get them motivated? Like, what, what what sort of tips would you give them?
1: Yeah, I mean, my advice would be never stop learning. Um, you know, I yeah. still continue to this day to you know take uh, you know a couple of one-off classes here and there, things like that. Um, listen to lots of TED talks, um, but you know, most importantly, listen to your people. Um, make sure that you can build that trust in that relationship, and never ask them to do something that you wouldn't do. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, my, I think it's, uh, pretty fair to say, you know, never stop learning and and I'll never stop learning in my career. I always learn something new from whether it's, you know, from the people I work with or it's in a deal. Um, there's always a learning opportunity no matter what, even if you win or lose, there's always a learning opportunity, um, to kind of unpack what happened and what can we do better? Even in the scenarios when you won, like I'm sh- there's something in there that we could have done that better that maybe it sped the deal up and it closed a month earlier. You know, how do we compress the sales cycle? That's what we always talk about. Um, so yeah. yeah, never stop learning every single, uh, you know, every, you know, any opportunity to learn, I think will make you stronger as a leader. Um, and yeah, whether you win or lose.
0: Yeah. I love that. Right. Like always be learning. And, and, um, I think you're spot on there being, you know, building a team out at Genesis of that, of, of that enterprise level, like culture is super important. Like how are some of the ways that you are building culture at Genesis, uh, really in that continuous improvement motion?
1: Yeah, I mean it's interesting because we are we are scale up and and culture has a way of of, of forming on its own, but there's ways to influence yeah. that. Um, you know, we need to make sure that as leaders that we celebrate desired behaviors. You know, in, you know, saying good job for hey, you know, uh, doing the right amount of prospecting with the right messaging, things like that. Um, you need to really lean in on activities that that show the company values. Um, we have a a number of of company values that we like to abide by. You know, being a good corporate citizen. Um, you know, and then making sure that we kind of continue to, uh, to improve that culture over, over time and make sure we will refine it so we can be better as a company to provide a a great working environment for folks. And I I think that starts at what we first talked about, you know, building trust with teams, um, leaning on company values and, um, look, we're all here to achieve the same mission. Um, you know, we want to see this company succeed We want to see it IPO, et cetera. Um, you know, more, more rounds of funding, things like that. So you making sure that that the culture is aligned with those corporate initiatives um, those over overarching initiatives of of achieving that mission.
0: Absolutely. Um couldn't couldn't have been said better. What about touch points with your team like you know some people say hey like I have a daily standup and then other people say hey like hey I meet with I meet with my reps um on a weekly basis one on one and then maybe have a couple team meetings like I think in this remote environment what we don't want to do as leaders is is make our our team feel like we're micromanaging them. But in the same sense, we want to have touch bases so that they know, hey, we're here for you. So, like, what what are some things that you've done to implement and and make sure people are like, hey, we're hurt, they're heard, they um they have someone they can go to, and right, and and you can continue to build that culture.
1: Yeah, I think that that ties into um, you know delegating. Um, delegating is an interesting topic in, in sales specifically. Um, You know, there's different cadences around meetings and things like that. But um, if we kind of double click on the the delegating part, I personally, um, it's sometimes it's hard for me to want to delegate. You know, do I trust this person? Are they able to run with the ball? Um, You know, I have to look in the mirror, though, and say, look, I hired this person. Um, I I should trust them from from the get go, because, you know, we went through that entire, you know, onboarding and hiring process. and, And I brought you in here for a specific reason. So, Need to make sure that like I hone that you know delegation framework and trust that person. Um, You know it's easy to say like oh you know uh, I I, you know I can just do this myself, but you can't. You got to let go because the result of that is if you can't let go is that every time you go on vacation you're gonna be working when you're on vacation. So you know it's it's having trust in your team and people. Um, I I try to be reasonable with like the number of touch points that we have. I like to have you know one on ones with my reps uh, on on a weekly basis, and then we have a a Monday morning meeting. So, uh, look, if there's not some big update you have from you know 101, I don't want to waste your time. Please, but by all means, continue to prospect, uh, take your your demos, whatever you have to do. Um, so, I'm pretty pretty um, conscious of the fact that you know sales can be uh, death by a thousand paper cuts via meetings. Um, so, I, you know, I, I try and not overload my team with with too many meetings um, because then all of a sudden we're doing uh, you know 20% selling and 80% admin, and, and I don't want that to be the environment because. I've lived in those environments before, and, and that's just not not fun. So, um, but you know, you got to make sure you're doing the right things, and structure is important. So that's why I think having you know a regular cadence of a, a Monday meeting uh, and then some one on ones on the follow is is a good, is kind of best practice. Um, one thing I did find, and this just happens in every organization I've ever worked at, you know, you're always going to have to chase reps for updates. So, it, you know, we used to yeah. do update Thursdays, but we have our global forecast on Mondays. Um, so I thought, you know what, instead of me chasing people all week, asking for updates uh, by Thursday, why don't I just do the meeting on Monday? And I have two hours before, and if I have any remaining questions, we can knock those out. So uh, I think it was just trying to be a little bit more, um, efficient with when we had the meeting. It was a pretty simple fix just to look at it and say, oh, you know, I can just move this meeting and I can do less chasing and and people will be on that call. So I can ask those last minute questions.
0: Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Right. And we're only as good as our tools, but. On the flip side of that, like we're only good as what we input into those tools. And so there's still some work on our ends that we need to make sure we uh we do to make sure we keep it clean and, and keep it keep it tight, right? And that's the only way we learn by inputting that information in so we can have that macro view. Um, but super important when it comes to those deal reviews. So I think you're probably uh smart on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Man. You know, when you and I first chatted, you knew you had mentioned how important it was to have such a strong network in the space, right? Like, if you don't, if you don't hadn't built an, a network, right, it, you probably wouldn't be in the position you are now. So, like, I'd love to hear like how you're going about um, building really a meaningful relationships with people and um, how you stay in touch with them in that sense.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, listen, relationships are super important. Um, you know, uh, on the On the heel you know, looking back on my career, you know, I I try as a salesperson to make sure that every relationship is meaningful um, and that I have a good interaction with that person. Because you never know when you're going to cross paths with someone. Um, But, you know, really, it's uh, just about being yourself. Um, It's about being curious and interested and and presenting yourself as a trusted advisor um, in sales uh, when you build those relationships. Um, You know, a lot of what we do, everything that we do is not transactional. It's very consultative. So it really starts with, um, you know, taking that trusted advisor, consultative nature, and really helping uh, that person to figure out like what is my pain, um, and and how can I, you know, mitigate this pain, and and, and really help them realize it. So it takes good discovery, um, and I know that's part of the sales process, but it's also part of the of the relationship building process. Like, yeah. you know, how is someone going to trust you if they if you really don't understand what they're trying to describe to you as is, is what their problem is. Um, so it's really being consultative in nature. And then listen, there's the social aspect of it. Um, you know, working, um, working on the trading floor, like it's a very social, you take people out for drinks, uh, coffee, dinner, whatever. Um, you know, it's good to connect outside of things that aren't work. Um, cause you know, we, we all have other things and interests that we're, we do outside our, uh, in our free time, you know, a family and things like that. So it's it's important to uh, make sure that you separate the two at a certain point and just you know build a relationship socially with someone as well. So socially, um, from a sales perspective as well, you're know, being consultative. Um, I think that's important. I think that builds good strong relationships and then you know cultivating those relationships over time, um, making sure that you stay in touch with people. Um, I think you do a really good job of this with you know LinkedIn. You know, there's an opportunity every time you meet someone, you know, add them to your network and make sure that you cultivate good content like you're doing today. Um, that's yeah. meaningful to people. And, um, you know, if you build it, they will come that, that type of thing.
0: Yeah. I loved, I love that. <laughs> if you build it with their come, you know, I, I watched that movie the other day and, um, and I think it brings a whole new meaning uh, to it when you, when you say it that way. Yeah. Kevin Costner's good. You know, you had mentioned, right. Like building through the discovery process, right. You're able to build a really strong relationship but a lot of times, I think for some reps, it can come off in genuine, right? Like they, where the prospect will maybe feel like, hey, well, they're just trying to sell their product, right? Like, and that's why they're trying to build this relationship. And so like, what have you found some different ways um, to be really genuine in the way that you build relationships through the discovery process where people resonate with?
1: Yeah. What I said before, I think it's being consultative in nature. Um, like yeah. really the right questions, understand what is your pain. Um, you know, if that doesn't come across and resonate, like you're kind of dead in the water there. And then even <laughs> sure. first sale close, like you got to keep up with those relationships. You never know where people are going to end up. You know, if you sell someone, something at, you know, ABC corporation, they might end up at, you know, X, Y, Z the next week. So you know, it's important to not only just, you know, build a relationship, sell to someone, then go away. Um, yeah. you know, cultivate that relationship. continue to stay in touch with that person? And, um, you know, you never know. Yeah, absolutely. What advice would you give
0: to, uh, like your your future leader, right? Like someone that's that's a sales rep now or individual contributor that's that's trying to move into leadership. Um like how would they know when it's the right time for them to move into that type of leadership role or when should they start thinking about that?
1: Yeah, this is a good question because it starts with uh good communication with, with your manager. Um I'm more than happy to have that conversation with any of my AEs that that are, you know, interested in pursuing sales leadership. Um, but it starts with raising your hand and identifying. Like, hey, that's something that I'm interested in. Um, yeah. that one let me know. Like, oh, okay, I have someone here. But um, the biggest thing with sales, with leadership is actions speak louder than words. So some of the best reps that I've seen turn into sales leaders. Um, they're the first ones to jump in the fray and and assist another AE. Um, they're you know they're they're helping teach them and cultivate and learn and you know they're leading by example. So they're just naturally yeah. being a leader by doing those types of things. Um, and it's not forced. Uh, they do it because they want to do it. So I think just being genuine um, and if you're interested in sales, just make sure you know that actions speak louder than words and that you're the guy that people are you know guy or gal that you know folks are gonna go to when they have a question that 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 to me signals good good potential down the down the line leadership of someone if you're that go-to person, you're, you know, selfless. You don't, you know, you don't need anything from this. You know, you're just helping them because you want to see them succeed. So those are like the, uh, the ingredients that that I would look for, and uh, you know, in someone that expresses that they want to be in leadership, and then you know, take that next step. Tell your manager, hey, I want to do it. What would that path look like? How can we get there? And and that, I think that that makes it a pretty clear cut way of, you know, okay, I understand that you want to go down that path. I can help you do that because I want to see other people achieve their, you know, career go- career goals as well as you know, not, not just retiring quota, whatever, what are your career goals? So yeah, it starts with asking what they want to achieve and then, you know, identifying that and being open and honest.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, what advice, any advice, kind of lasting advice that you would give to sales leaders out there that are, are kind of in the thick of it, but, um, maybe they're newer, maybe they're newer sales leaders, right. And they're, and they're kind of figuring things out.
1: Yeah. Look, uh, you know, I think a couple things, um, every relationship, every re- relationship internally and externally is meaningful. So make sure that you, you double click on those relationships and that you maintain them. Um, and that you always toe that company line. Um, but you have to learn to let go. Uh, you know, I have this problem. Um, you know, you can't do it all by yourself. It's not physically possible. You know, I, there's been many moments in my career where I'm just trying to do too much. And that's actually taking two steps, you know, backward. Uh, I take one step forward and then two steps back trying to do too much. Yeah. Um, you don't want to burn yourself out. So you really have to, um, you know, make sure that you you learn to let go. You know, the, the best leaders are going to, you know, delegate to help employees develop and grow. So if, if you're delegating the right way, um, you can use it as a development tool um, to make sure that, you know, if that, you can, because you can't do it all, if you delegate in the right way, you're not only doing yourself a favor, but you're helping to, to develop and grow people on your team. Um, the other thing that I firmly believe in is always hire people that are smarter than you. Um, you know, some people might look like be you know, a little bit scared, like, oh, they're going to, uh, usurp me or something like that. It's not true. Um, hire people that are smarter than you, um, trust others to do what they're great at or what they specialize in. Um, because at the end of the day, it, this, this is a team sport, you know, it's, there's a team yeah. quota, they have individual quotas, but like, we're here to be successful as a company. So, um, I think that's a big key piece of it. Uh, another one, um, that I would say advice to, you know, leaders, um, you know get comfortable giving other people credit you know we we sit at the top and you know um you know we lead this team but um you know part of like allowing others to grow um is allowing them to take the stage uh and and, and lead and take the credit for for good things so make sure that you're highlighting um you know good things that happen and let other people take front and center stage um i think that's really important for for uh you know development um I would I would also advise just be patient. Um, it take, things take time. Um, do things for the long run strategy, not the short term. Yeah. Um, I think that's a big one. Um, and you know lastly, no one cares how busy you are. Um, being busy doesn't make you a better manager. Um, just knowing how to prioritize and push back when needed does. Um, that's some of the you know, best advice I think I can think of for, for uh, potential future leaders and other leaders now and see that it just got started.
0: I love that, and I think they'll appreciate that advice because um, it's super helpful. <clears throat> Last question for you, Matt. When you leave
1: this life, how do you want to be remembered? That's a good question. I I just want to be remembered as a a selfless leader. Um, uh, and I think back, you know, to the to my you know leaders early on. Um, the things that I liked most about them were that uh, they were selfless. Um, and they were always the guy that that I could depend on or pull in and be next to me in the trenches. So I just want to be known as a selfless leader that was always there in the mix with uh, with all my folks. Um, yeah, that's what I'd want to be remembered by. And as yeah. a, a good coach, someone who who really cares about your development um, and really cares about winning. You know, we all win. If we win, we all win together. Absolutely.
0: Well, Matt, this has been a pleasure speaking with you. I think a lot of people are going to get a ton out of this. Um, so we appreciate you jumping on with us. Yeah, man.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks for
0: having me. It's been great. Absolutely, Matt. This is just another episode of How the Greats Do It. We appreciate you.